that's a little bit of a catch-22 because when you do something that no one is doing, that also means there is no road for you to walk. And that is a treacherous thing. <laughs> and, you know, it's great. You know, it, I'm maybe other filmmakers are going to now have a little bit more of a path because I'm doing something that people don't do. Welcome back to Nothing Shines Like Dirt, empowering actors to create episode 15. I'm Elise Siebert. And I'm Leslie Shannon. Today we are chatting with Emmy Award winning filmmaker Lila Yomtube. We cover experimenting with different roles behind the camera. America 1979, her film that normalizes the immigrant experience. And, and girls can get anything they ask for. <laughs> That is something that bootcut can do. Yeah, like, I mean, I love my bootcut jeans and my dance goes. Like, that's my uniform. But, like, I was like, oh, I'm starting to look my age a little. Why don't I, you know, <laughs> work this out a little bit? And, like, it did. And, that's and good. And I was like, okay, I can, I can make this happen. There are ways to do it. I like it. I feel like that's what it is, too, is finding the right company. Because I had a long, I had a hard time for a that's while, right. too, is finding the right, like, Gene company that made one ones that like actually fit and yeah, I like fit your yeah. bum or whatever your yeah, issue well, yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we were all like, yeah, yeah. Um, what was I going to say? So we were talking earlier about how you you tried to slim down your workload to just having like one thing at a time, and I've got a feeling you weren't successful at that. No, it has not happened. <laughs> It's not happened. I've also tried to stop making films, and that has not happened. Oh, wow. I've tried to leave the film industry. I have not been able to do it. <laughs> and it's because I like it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, yeah. like, it's just hard to accept that it's, I like something that's very difficult. Yeah. I, I always think yeah. it's like it's like if only I didn't want to do this, like, my, I would feel s- such freedom because – when you really like to do something and you're really passionate about it, even though you enjoy doing it, it's you like put this pressure on yourself to make the next thing kind of thing. And it's like, well, if I never had to make another piece of art, I could, I don't know, I'd be free, I guess. Right. <laughs> I know. Except like, I, I would travel. Like, yeah, I would travel yeah, all yeah, over the yeah. world. Yeah. Or I'd have like a stable income. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All of those things. Yeah, I know. I've I've gone through that whole cycle a couple times myself and I'm very unsuccessful at that as well. So, my so only, you're, you're hopefully in good company. <laughs> my only thing that like keeps me going when I feel like I have too many pots on the stove kind of like too many projects going on is I feel like the people that I look up to in the industry, if you look at what they're doing, they always have like too many pots on the stove too. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, like this is... This is what needs to happen to keep moving forward. Well, and, right. Because you, you know? have to have, I mean, because not everything moves at a steady pace. That's mm-hmm. true. Yeah. So sometimes it's like, okay, that's going to, it's going to take a while for someone to get back to me about this thing. Why don't I focus my attention on this thing? Right. Yeah. You know, for instance. Yeah. So it makes sense. I mean, and then there, do, there are points where it's too much, I find. <laughs> yeah. You know, where it's just like, I can't, because you can't control the pace of, what goes on but um i guess that's also fine yeah (laughs) yeah it has to be because it's the only way that it is (laughs) it has to be so what 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 do you have going on right now what are your projects that you are um okay so the projects i have right now is well my this short film that i made called america 1979 that's been going to film festivals i just put online for sale um, and I'm starting to look for an educational distributor. So those things are timing wise are great because you can uh, there's no there can be a schedule as far as rolling rollout for marketing of the film online. But that's also up to me. Yeah. You know? Right. So I'm doing that. <clears throat> I'm um, working on a pilot to turn my short film into a television show, okay. um, which I think you probably maybe read draft <laughs> L or earlier you've read I don't know what draft draft. yeah it's it's progress progress that's great that you read um and you know and that's been a really interesting process talking to people about that I'm doing something I'm doing a I'm working with a 
Philadelphia-based filmmaker who's also Iranian-American. Okay. Um, and we're creating a, sh- a block of short films to go on tour across the United States. Oh, wow. Of, of, of films by Iranian-Americans. Because it's not, there aren't really, there's not really an Iranian-American film community. There's a huge Iranian, like Iranian film, like in Iran is a huge deal. Yeah. It's like a really big deal. Um, but it hasn't carried over here. Um, so we're trying to create a little bit of community. That's um, that's incredible. That so we're incredible. doing that. Really great. Yeah, that's a neat thing. I loved I loved your film because it made me. It actually did make me look up the history of that time too, because it was a it was a little bit before I was born, and I know bits and pieces of it, but I don't think it was something that was discussed in history class I feel like in American history classes they focus on world the Revolutionary War the Civil War World War One World War Two and sometimes the pieces in between get right get lost through the cracks um and I wanted to ask you because Argo came up from like that's the one film I can think of off the top of my head that deals with um Iran and what you thought of Argo and as an I like an, an Iranian American so well, I thought I thought it was a really compelling film, and I really liked the film. Um, you know, it worked for me. Yeah. You know, from a political perspective, I mean, I have two pers- I have two perspectives. As a filmmaker, you have only so many minutes to tell a story, and you have to choose what story you're going to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, the big criticism about that film is that it doesn't at all go into. Um, you know, it just. Make continues to portray Iran as the bad guy in the struggle of that time and that conflict, which is not entirely true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how, as a writer, I would be able to put that into that story. So I can sympathize with the filmmakers that they wanted to make this compelling story. At the same time, you know, what's the level of responsibility when you make a film about something that no one knows about that actually is supposed to reflect a time period? Right. You know, so, and the filmmakers, I don't think that they're, I mean, I know Ben Affleck isn't Iranian. Yeah. No. <laughs> I don't know about the other people. I don't think there were any Iranians who, you know, there were the actors, you know, and I didn't look that much into it. I was mm-hmm. just, um, I was really excited about it. Um, and I, there are a few characters that are sympathetic. You know, they're not like all, they're not all terrorists, which we see on television a lot. Like they're, you know, Homeland. Oh, yeah. All, yeah. They're all terrorists. Yeah. You're brown, you're a terrorist. <laughs> you know, I guess there's like one analyst who's American, you know, who's the not, woman. Uh, the woman. That's who I, that's who I'm thinking of. Yeah. 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 But so I like, I like the film, but as a viewer, you know, I like the film as a viewer. I like the film as a filmmaker. I understand the criticisms of a film, but I have a little different perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. But well, if I made that film, it might be a different, it might have a different slant to it, but. Right. And that's why it's so important to have people of different with different voices to make film is so that you can get that different slant, that different perspective. Cause I, you know, until we're able to do that, it's hard. I think a large, uh, a vast majority of people, they don't, they don't know how to empathize in a way unless they have something kind of presented to them. Whoa, that was a big strike of lightning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, see, the universe agrees with me. <laughs> Thank you, universe. Um, but, I mean, I think it's hard for people to fully empathize unless they see it. Right. I think, yeah. And I think, you know, the other thing is that film, the business aspect of the film, which I think they it took them a good 10 years to make, to oh, get that film made. Yeah. And that was with Ben Affleck behind it. You know, so it's when you think about it, yeah, there's a there's a, there's a huge barrier there. You know, you're talking about money, you're talking about a lot of money and you're also talking about people's careers and all this stuff. Right. So like, I don't know if you heard about this other there was been a really other another interesting thing going on where they want to make a film about uh, a famous Iranian poet named Rumi um, who um, and they want Leonardo DiCaprio to play Rumi. Uh, mm. And this is like caused a 
yeah, as conversation. It, yeah, as it you should. might imagine. It like, should. why are all like the Iranian actors have to pay, play terrorists? Well, Leonardo DiCaprio can play like the jewel of like Persian civilization. <laughs> you know, uh, it sort of sucks. But at the same time, I don't know. There's a part of me that says, well, then. Leonardo DiCaprio will allow Americans to see that part of Iranian culture. Yeah. Because that film probably won't get made if an Iranian... I mean, there That's are Iranian really good actors, point. but none of them are box office draws. We're, there's one actor who's getting close, you know, but, like, there's some actors who are getting getting there, but, like, we don't have that. We don't have an actor to put up front who's going to bring the money in, who's going to bring the viewers in. And it's like, well, so what's the purpose? You know, if the purpose is to make it for the Iranian audience, that's one thing. You know, it might not matter. It can be a smaller film. It can be a smaller budget. You know, but if you want, you to know, expose. and then talk about sympathizing. If it's Leonardo DiCaprio playing, playing Rumi, People will go see that movie and maybe be more open to it and be open to a story that they wouldn't be open to otherwise. And I that's hate really saying that's point. yeah, it's a really good point. I always forget too because I'm so interested in film and sometimes I prefer not knowing the actors in the film. I like watching films with no names in it, but I forget that people people it's costs a lot of money to go to the theaters first of all and a lot of people don't do it anymore and they're having trouble getting people to the theater and i'm thinking of like if they're gonna spend you know their date night on a friday night to go to a movie are they gonna go to a movie with leonardo dicaprio or are they gonna go to a movie where they don't know anybody and they'll probably go to the movie where they're like oh i like him like i like his movies so it's a really good point to be like that is that's its different side of the coin which i haven't thought of because i'm i'm always a person who's like outraged it's like why can't you cast people who are actually the correct ethnicity in these different films but i mean which they still should do that um but <laughs> i agree yeah, yeah no yeah. and i know that you're not saying they shouldn't yeah but it's but that is a very interesting take on it that I've just I, I never thought of and people there are people who don't like the way I talk about this I have not like I've actually never had this conversation yet oh. with anyone well. because I just sort of am like I know that people will just get really angry with this because when I feel like a lot of people have very uh, black and white ideas when it comes to representation and Believe me, 95% of the time, I'm on that same side. Right. But then every once in a while, you know, because you're also, you're talking about, sometimes you're talking about portraying reality. Sometimes you're talking about something that's like an art. And sometimes you're talking about something that's a business, you know? And so... Or a mesh of those three things. And you know, always like, a yeah, mesh of those yeah, three yeah, things. So yeah. it's never really that simple. And like you always want to point the finger at like the asshole casting director or <laughs> and which there are. And yeah. you know there are. You know, or like the asshole director, like the asshole whoever, which there are a million assholes, but at the same time <laughs> sometimes there's a re there are actual reasons or you know, whether they're acceptable or how that ends up playing out. Right. I don't know. I just, I never think anything is as straightforward as it seems. So I always, I don't know, I'm a little too forgiving probably. Well, I'll give the benefit of the doubt, you know, like there, I mean, there has to be a good reason for something, right? If everyone, everyone I feel like is trying to do their best, whether it's be to be a business person or to be an artist, like everyone's for the most part putting their best foot forward. So there has, you know, People don't... It's not true, though. <laughs> <laughs> they may think they I are. Know. They may think Here they I am, blissfully <laughs> ignorant again. No, no, I, I'm with you. Like, yeah. I am also, like, still after doing this for a long time, like, I'm still always put... I always feel like I don't want to be this jaded person who has these ideas or I don't... Even if I have an experience, I just put it far away from me because I don't want to be clouded and... You know, I always want to walk into a room fresh and, you know, not have expectations or, you know, but no, there's also reality of like people who don't, who aren't acting, they're acting out of selfishness or out of fear right. or, you know, yeah. there, there's a lot of that too. Humanity is a mix of all of those things. That's kind of what 
humanity i think means <laughs> it's like a mix of the good the bad the ugly the awesome you know so it's, it's a little bit of that but no I, I think it's very interesting to hear um the combination of those two because you're right that you're, you i don't think that you're taking one side or the other you're just like you're a filmmaker you're you're saying let's look at every side of the story and that's what you have to do in order to make good films so I don't, I don't think that I don't think that's a bad thing. So I think it's a very I think it's very noble to try to understand things from multiple perspectives. And again, another problem that I think people sometimes just don't do enough is they don't try to understand it. They only know through their filter, and that's all that they can. That cl- it does cloud the perspective, which is understandable. But mm-hmm. you know, it's also yeah. It is what it is. <laughs> now, do the lot do um, many of the films you make kind of focus on your culture and no, no, all different kinds of stuff. This was the first one that okay. I made um, about anything Iranian, and it's been really interesting. Like I've met so many people. I mean, when I was doing the crowdfunding for this, people just came out of the woodworks and would tell me like how happy they were that I was making this film and how touched they were and even once the film was made and finished and screened because it's not uh, especially this aspect of um, like Iranian history like is not discussed at all Um, and it was a huge deal for me to um, kind of integrate it into my own personality so like there's no just like uh, the Iranian American community isn't very cohesive, and there's some people right now who are working towards making that happen. Um, but there's never really been any discussion about the Iran hostage crisis and how it's affected our identities or our culture or our sense of ourselves or, you know, as a group or as individuals. So, um, you know, I'm not. When I made this film, again, like now from like a more practical standpoint, you know, I also really love comedy and like I have a comedy pilot I wrote, I have like a musical comedy feature I wrote, and I had this short film that I wrote and I thought, you know, I need to make something new, I need... And what I need is the thing, I need to make the thing that's going to make me stand out. Because there's a lot of people making comedy. What sets me apart from all the other people making comedy? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Well, well yeah. it's, a, it's I mean, a good thing, too. If you write what you know, you know it so well, it has layers and depth. And, you know, that's a way to stand out and a way to... Well, right. And no one was doing it. And there's, there's a, I mean, there's a, it's a little bit of a catch-22. Because when you do something that no one is doing... That also means there is no road for you to walk. And that is a treacherous thing. <laughs> and, you know, it's great. You know, it, I'm maybe other filmmakers are going to now have a little bit more of a path because I'm doing something that people don't do. And there have been a few other films. I'm not the first, believe me. But, um, you know, if I was to make, you know, and I love these little, the comedy stuff that I wrote, but if I was to go down that road, it, you know, it it would be a different pro- it would be a different process. Mm-hmm. Um, and but as a person who is a right like who wrote a comedy, like you know, I haven't been in the improv scene. I'm not in the stand up scene. And all the people in those scenes are also writing scripts and making shorts. And so it's like, okay, well, I guess I'd have to. It's not that hard to attach talent. It's really not like there's a million funny people who mm-hmm. are super talented who want to do stuff. You know, um, you know, but. No one's going to just see me as a comedy writer, given my background. And so I was like, well, what can I, what else, what do I have? You know, and I have this culture, I have this cultural background that's important and that I, you know, and so, I mean, this is obviously just really front i'm talking about this pragmatic like i'm a filmmaker about to spend a few years and a lot of money on something which decision am i going to make mm-hmm. like 
Um, and then, you know, at, from a personal standpoint, as I said, it's been like incredible, like more rewarding than I could ever imagine. Like, That's wonderful. Yeah, it's been really cool. And it's been really hard, too, because I didn't really realize that I was making such a political film. I thought I was making a film about like a little girl who gets harassed at school and um but what I was doing which I didn't realize was like a political act was that I was normalizing the immigrant experience and I was portraying an Iranian American family where that was secular there was no headscarf there's no violent conversation it's a loving family and there's peaceful resolution and that is not something you never ever see you never see a family that's Middle Eastern where there's actual peace in the home. And it's not and know. embracing American culture. Right. We, you know, and and um my my husband's both both my mother and father-in-law are immigrants and I I think not only are you catching like hooking into the Iranian culture story but anybody who has immigrated to this country and that's that's what this country is even though people seem to be forgetting that <laughs> in recent days yeah. is that this country is based on immigration and all of us, for the most part, except for the Native Americans, we all came from other places. And because of technology and history, we have records of that too. And right. so I think that, I think that not only is it's it's about a family and their their process of living in a new country too. Right. So, right. Which is very relatable. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, um, yeah, it's been really a fascinating. It's been fascinating. Thank you for recognizing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I always like to ask people what they're like. Like, is this your passion project? I mean, I know this is such a big thing right now, but or are one of these other scripts you've written, like something you've been, I don't know, anything that you've worked on that you're really passionate about or you will one day or you have in the past or is this project it or? Oh, well, right now it is. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, it's, I mean, it's going into a new stage now. So in a way, the short film, is. it feels like it's beginning to wrap. And it's, it's good because it's about time. <laughs> um, and it's been a while. And, you know, I really love the pilot I'm writing. I feel really good about it. Um, and, but I know that that is a long and almost pos- nearly impossible journey. You know, it's like, they, there's only so many shows that are made. This is very weird considering. <laughs> I mean, I think that in some ways, you know, the time is right for a show like this. Like if there is going to be a show like this, it can be now. Like well, it's and like very relevant. So and many channels that are picking up narrative content. And right. it's a narrative, but it also, I mean, I'm even thinking, I mean, not the history channel, but some channel that maybe hasn't done narrative, like this might be like the next little puzzle piece for them I'm, and diversity on television that that the, this wave of that this conversation is happening and you know networks and cable channels are trying to hire very diverse shows too right yeah. well it's funny because i did think about history channel because i'm watching vikings uh yeah mm-hmm. so addicting so <laughs> <addicting>. <laughs> ragnar we're like all about ragnar in our house oh yeah <laughs> about ragnar and Loki. yeah like, he's daily. pretty much a badass i mean it's no badass. i just like i have to say we're gonna take a little segue here um i have to say that one of the things i enjoy about the Viking, the way that they portray the Viking culture is how women actually have power. It was one of the few, I mean, not still not in the way that like women should have power, but much more so they were, they were seen more as equals than especially any other society at that particular point in time. Is that, do you think that's historically accurate? accurate or I mean it's hard to know with a show like that yeah sort of like, you would hope on the history channel though they would like even I, though it's fiction they would like try to stay true have something in there that is honest I I'm not making up facts something I'm pretty now again this is not a fact checking podcast so if I'm wrong I'm I'm wrong um but I'm very sure that 
I think I've done some other research on it because I was curious for the same reason. I was, I was, didn't know if, hello. No worries. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that women were allowed to fight the shield maidens. That is something that was real. That was, that was true. And that women in disputes, um, were allowed to have their side of the story brought as well and wasn't just automatically assumed that whatever the man, like, oh. I'm pretty sure that that's, that that's pretty accurate. Oh, right, right, right. That's cool. Which is, you know. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. But is. continue on about Anyways, the history channel. So yeah. I ha- I actually thought, oh, well, I wonder if I should, you know, if I wonder if that's something I should try and pursue. There are, yeah, there's, I mean, like Netflix, Netflix obviously is making so much content and they're Great also content have it. now they're international and you know and I think there's a lot of possible outlets for it it's a matter of me hooking up with the right people and having those conversations and a lot of times they know I, I mean from what I understand they know what they're looking for and my project will fit into that or will not yeah. and I can edit it to fit or I can't mm-hmm. so you know I I read a really interesting piece that was um the guy who created Mad Men. Yeah, I, I'm awful with names. I, I know Meyer, who you're talking about. Uh, Matt? Is it um, Matt? Matt no. Meyer. Matthew. My, I know his last name is Meyer. Anyway. Mr. Mr. Meyer. <laughs> Thanks for his turn, Googling. Yeah. I need <laughs> Well, we get our facts wrong. Yeah. Like, this guy. Yeah. Um, and he talked about how he shopped Mad Men for seven years. Before it got picked up, and and it got picked up by AMC, AMC, and that was their first. That was their huge breakout, yeah, right. And so, you know, and so, yeah, there are people are taking risks, and there are opportunities. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm. I just realized that it's a long shot, and it might take a very long time, right. And so, if you're okay with that, then good. I'm medium, yeah, <laughs> I mean, medium to low. I actually, but I just know I love that your, is the reality. I love your candor. Yeah. I, I love how you're just honest. It's great. Uh, it's not, but cool. <laughs> I, sh- I share the same thing too. I'll just be like, yeah, no, and people are like, like what? Is she serious? Is she really telling me how she feels right now? And yes. here I am over here living in La La Land. That's <laughs> all right. It's like takes... we can do this. We can. <laughs> you can. You hey, can. I mean, that's the thing is you can't. Like once you think that you can't, then you can't. Yeah, exactly. You have to think that you can. It's very true. I have a cousin who's an actor. And at one point, I couldn't believe this. One of my uncles called me up and said, will you please call Evan? Well, I shouldn't say his name. Would you please? <laughs> Can you please call? <laughs> will you please? Will you please call your cousin and explain to him like the reality of the situation here? And I said to my uncle, I said, "Look, there is no reality to this situation. <laughs> you don't in this business. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow." Right. And I told him the story about this that I had heard of this audio engineer. I love this story. This audio engineer who was working on um, on a hefty bags commercial, and he ended up recording the hefty, hefty, hefty. Like I don't think that's I don't know if that's still the song. Oh, that was, I like, know it. Yeah, 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 I just hefty, had a hefty. flashback to my childhood. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that guy, and they ended up using his recording, and he became a millionaire because of the of the residuals from that. And he oh, was like, an, he was an audio engineer, like getting an hourly, and maybe you know, I maybe he was union or whatever, and he was doing well, but you know, that was it. You know, he that he was set because he sang the hefty song. And like, maybe that's not what you're going for in your career, but it doesn't mean that you're going to eat rice and beans your whole life. Like there's a million paths that don't end in rice and beans for the rest of your life. (laughs) And there are also a lot of paths that do. Like you can't, you can't know. Well, I love it. Um, I I just got done with this film program that Chaz Palminteri, he's an actor and he was at, and he gave a little speech um, and he was like, you know, you're going to get enough resistance. You're going to get enough people telling you no and that you can't, that you don't need your parents or your spouses to be telling, you know, don't, like if you're a spouse or a parent, don't be saying that they can't do it because if 
they hear no, 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 and they give up, you, you know, that will be enough. Or if they hear no, 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 and they keep going, that's because they're supposed to be doing this. And I thought that was really interesting. Right. And as like, if, if I ever had a kid that was interested in it, like, yeah, they will hear no enough that if they really want to do this, I don't need to be telling them, no, you shouldn't do this. Right. <laughs> I would that's say, a really fair point. I would say I don't go to films. I mean... I feel like going to film school was a complete waste of money. Yeah. You know, I've heard you're not the first person who said that. There's a lot of people that have said that. If I took that money that I didn't have (laughs) 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 and I just worked, I would learn how to make films from working. Mm -hmm. And then I would meet people who I could work with on films. You know, and then like, let's, you know, any money that maybe I did have to go towards a tuition, I could actually make a film. film. <laughs> right. I, you well, know, and I think I do, I do suggest college. I'm not saying don't go to college. <laughs> I think college is wonderful for some people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's a great myth. And that's why universities are like the best business plan ever. Everyone thinks they have to go to them. And then you charge so much money for them and people in their 40s are still paying off their college loans like it's kind of genius to be like everyone needs to go to college but in reality we don't need everyone to go to college like we need we need chefs and we need filmmakers and we need artists and we need you know there's so many tech things that people can do too but people think they have to go to college and then they can't get a job and it's it's kind of really interesting where that whole thing is all going to yeah that's a whole other thing yeah i was gonna say that's a whole that's like yeah i mean it's a really interesting conversation but it's yeah it's a whole thing Sure. Uh, well, and I think the the Laurel of <laughs> thinking film. of student loans. That's all. That's all that happened. I'm just crying over here. I'm fine. Sorry. Keep going. No, that's all right. Well, it used to be to make a film, you needed equipment. So that's why film school at one point in time was very relevant because you couldn't get your hands on a camera or you or the lighting or whatever. But now equipment has. I, I mean, you can make a phone on. You can make a film on your phone you could, if you really wanted to. You know, like there's so many avenues now. Right. I think because of digital. And you can learn anything yourself too. If, yeah, if you want on to. On the internet, if you want to. I think like going to grad school. Like I wish, I wish that I studied undergrad other things because I really had a lot of interests and that. It, if I was to study film, it would be on the grad school level because that's where you, you're like a formed adult and mm. you like understand the world a little and you have more stories to tell and you have the capability of like making the sort of connections that you that will actually allow your career to move forward and master's programs are, well, at least like Columbia and NYU are like geared towards that. You know, like a, a lot of people I know that I went to NYU as an undergrad with, they're working. You know, they're doing, they're working, we're doing good. But the people I know who went for master's work on a different level. And I couldn't, like, my, my, uh, are we good? Yeah, you're good. You're you're fine. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We have to back up the corner. Um, It just seems like master's is where it's at, like, in terms of actually, like, for moving forward as a director or, you know, moving forward. Going into a specialized, yeah. Yeah. You know, because you have more opportunities, at least at those schools. And USC, probably, UCLA, you know. Yeah, I have a friend in grad school right now at USC. So, oh, yeah? Yeah, for filmmaking specifically. So, But she has a really interesting perspective, too, that especially the first year, she felt like her professors weren't taking people seriously. It's a, it's a three-year program, and it's supposed to get better as like from upperclassmen and her mentor, they do a really good job setting um, people up with mentors that have graduated from the program, which I I am all about that. I'm like, yeah. you need people who are working to be your mentors and to help you. And that's going to just, that, that just helps everyone. But um, I think too, because a lot of them are still working on their own stuff and then they're coming and teaching these classes. So it's, it's an interesting balance. And it's, again, it's like, I think there's no right or wrong. I think it's just like, what's, you have to find your path. And sometimes you have to go to film school to be like, oh, maybe I didn't really need that. But, but other people 
don't need it. I don't know. I think it's just interesting how yeah. how you don't know how things are going to unfold and you just have no. to you never know. Really. Put one foot in front of the other and totally and hope that you land on solid ground. And listen to your, I think listen to your <laughs> well, gut. You, you do. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that sounded way more negative than I meant for it to. <laughs> but but yeah, there it is. It's very much I I think everyone's life path is like that, but in the arts it's even magnified. As to like, you're like, well, well, especially in this country. I mean, my Canadian friends, man, they haven't made because uh, yeah. Canadian filmmakers actually get government funding a lot. Yeah, like we, you we, can be we, a filmmaker who gets paid money. What? <laughs> like, that happens? Yeah, it happens a lot. <laughs> it happens. I know people. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a, there. I mean, apparently there's been cuts, but we don't. I mean, we don't have what they have. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I mean the, the closest thing to that is grants general that you apply for. Well, I mean that, but that's still not the same thing. Right. It's not. No. It's much. No, it's right. much different. I mean, and also here it's like you. There's there's very little. I mean, there's some grant money out there for narrative filmmaking, but the majority of the funds that are out there are for documentary. In Canada, you make nar- you you get a budget for a short film, you know, for the CBC. Crazy. You get yeah, you get budgets for narrative shorts. You get budgets for narrative features, you know. Yeah, it's you know they're treated respectfully. Their government like understands that that they they have value to their culture and that they should be treated as such. Whereas we don't we don't have <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> Um, it's so interesting too because um, you know like in a hundred years or two hundred years when people look back on our time in the world are they going to look at what was on our television and that's our culture you know like what will our culture look like reality TV (laughs) I don't know that there will be a record of our culture in two hundred years because everything's digital that's true too so unless like someone's been like Someone's got a legacy computer from 2016. Yeah, that's <laughs> I mean, we really such a good point. point. We really yeah. don't know what's gonna <gasps> what's gonna be here. Actually, like we really don't. You know, there you, go. you got another script. There's a, so. your futuristic um, <laughs> sci-fi. That's something I think about all the time because, like, I don't even look at photos anymore because they're in my computer. Like it used to be, I don't know. You'd have yeah. my family. Albums. Like a uh, cousin would come over and you'd look at the photo albums. Yeah, like that's what right you there. do with your cousins. <laughs> yeah. Now, like I don't, I don't look at photo albums with anyone. I take the picture and it just exists on my phone or on my computer. And every once in a while, I go through them, and it's like not a thing at least for me and right. like a lot of people I've talked to we don't have like uh, our material culture is changing because of digital technology so like if you look at a lot of things that have survived I mean we I guess like hard drives haven't been around long enough to know whether or not, like what's actually going to survive or not but you know I was at the Met the other day and I was at the there's the temple of Dendur which is like a temple that was brought from Egypt and you're like okay well there it is it's stone and it's carved <laughs> it's carved stones and there are stories told in the carvings and that's what survived all these years like what's going to we don't really actually know what's going to Plastic, you know what's gonna survive? Tupperware. That's well. So then, it's like <laughs> all of my the plastic pony. water bottles that everyone drinks. Oh, yeah, My Little yeah. Pony, Barbie. <laughs> I don't know. They're gonna be hanging around. That is mind-boggling. I've never <laughs> thought about. But that. I. But that makes me think of like photos I don't have anymore because they were on my college computer that broke down you know and then they were or stuff i had on floppy disks from like high school i'm like i i just threw a bunch of them away because i'm like i don't even know how to get the stuff (laughs) off of these like i saved them because there was stuff on them that i wanted one day and i was like i don't even know i don't i mean i'm sure i could go buy something i'm like i'm not gonna do that you know like to so buy like gone. some sort of it's converter gone. that you hook away. up to yeah. this. It is, I'm sure they exist. I, I'm but. like, it's gone. Well, and yeah. And then now also that resolution chain have resolutions have changed. Like I had a friend who took some digital photos of me from like in like, I don't know, like 2005. And they were awesome photos. And I found them recently. And they're like one inch by one inch. Because 
the they, there wasn't 20 megapixel or exactly. whatever we're up to now you yeah. know what i mean and whatever she took at the time was the best that there was but like you can't really even look at it that was like so crazy. actually like a portion of my 20s that i kind of will never like my late see, 20s yeah. that i'll kind of never see again because they weren't printed. This is making me wonder. I actually do <laughs> always print out a photo album every year. You for do? My husband. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's always I should his, do it. It's his Christmas that's a good present. Idea. Oh. Um, I do it every year, but I'm like so glad I do that because you're absolutely right. Like, you could just lose everything or not even be able to open it up. I mean, we that happened too, even with. I had one MacBook and I got a new one and I couldn't even open photos from the old iPhoto program because they changed oh, their program. The, yeah. So right. I don't know. It's, that's such an interesting It point. is. I'm like, I'm, my mind is a little, is a little <laughs> blown right now. I have to say, I'm just kind of like taking it all. I don't, uh, I don't know where to go. I'm like, so, oof. It's Sorry, too much. Guys. That's all right. No, no, it's too much in the best way possible. <laughs> So is that what, because I was noticing that um, you have uh, a media company that you work with. Am I correct? Oh, Largess? Yes. Oh, yeah, Largess. I do work through Largess still sometimes. Um, Largess is a marketing and outreach company that I started um, for a, a, a good stretch of time that was a focus of the work I was doing professionally was marketing and outreach for independent film. And um, I really felt very passionate. I feel like very passionate about it because obviously it's something we need, mm -hmm. you know, and it's something we all need. And I think I learned how to do that on my own with when I, I made a feature film a long time ago. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> it premiered in 2005. Um, and it was when I shot it, it, when we shot it, it was one of the first digital it was people are like what are you doing you're shooting a film on dv are you crazy <laughs> and i was like i guess i'm crazy because i can actually do it yeah <laughs> it was like one of the first viable formats that you could shoot that wasn't like a giant you know um beta cam it wasn't a beta right. cam it was like we were using prosumer cameras and it was the very beginning of firewire I edited the film on the first version of Final Cut Pro. So it was like the very beginning of digital. And there it was, again, it was like I was a little too early. There was no real road for me. And I was also a little too young. I was 25. And I didn't know the first thing about how to deal with anything that had to do with the film industry. So I was just this sort of like... I just had it, but I just had to do it. I just didn't really know what I was doing, right? But I, so I made this film. It took me a really long to edit, time to edit because of, for a million reasons. But I finally made it, and I, I'll tell you, I mean, actually, I think this is a good story, a good story for people to hear. And I've told this story a number of times. I made this film. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought that it was going to change my life. I thought that it was going to go to Sundance. I thought that I was going to be a filmmaker now. And I submitted it all over the place. I don't know, 30, 40 film festivals. And frankly, this was sort of before, um, like, I think maybe Without a Box didn't exactly even exist. So you had to find the film festival. Sometimes you had to handwrite your applications. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and it was devastating. It was absolutely devastating. I... No one wanted to show it. But part of that is not if it was a good film or bad film. It's connections and relationships. Well, listen to what happens. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're like, yeah. Yes, yes I, can't I can't wait. wait. I can't wait. It's a good story. That's good. I can't wait. So I was like, you know, having existential crisis and like ready to just put it away. And it's going to be, in, I'm going to move on with my life. And I get an email from new filmmakers. And they said, we wanted to show your film last year. Um, but we couldn't. Can we show it this year? I said, oh, well, okay, sure. And then like that same week, my friend said, oh, why don't you apply to the San Francisco Independent Film Festival? I said, well, okay, sure. I guess maybe because one person wants to, maybe someone else will want to. And these lovely people decided to show my film. And um, New Filmmakers was, was great. 
Um, but San Francisco Indie Fest was, uh, I mean, they really changed my life. That's a great film festival. It's a, it's a truly independent film festival, and they really love filmmakers. And I, I went there, and I met people that I've known ever since, which, you know, is great. But the amazing thing that happened was that I got a variety review. Oh, wow. Someone from Variety came to see my film and wrote a review of my $5,000. I made this film for $5,000. And someone came and wrote a review. And it was like this, you know, the programmers were like, Lila, we think that this guy is going to come and see your film. And That's incredible. And I was like, you know, and then we got a review and it was a really great review. And, you know, the film got to go to a, a few more festivals. But the thing, the thing that's amazing was... I mean, what? It went from zero to 100. I mean, it's sort of unfair. Like, it's unfair. It's like emotionally unfair. <laughs> it's torture. I mean, it's no, torture. It's like abusive, right? Yeah. It's not fair because you are, you go from unworthy to worthy, like overnight. And it's not overnight, but it sort of feels like it. And you're like, who, well, who am I? Do I matter? All of a sudden, it's like, oh, wait, I matter. Because someone paid attention to me. That's a hard, hard thing to sort of deal with. Like, you have to have your own I matter. It doesn't, you know, you have to block all that out. But then all of a sudden, I could write to all these people and say, this is my film that premiered here, and here's my variety review. And then all of a sudden, anyone I emailed got, got back to me. <sighs> and it opened, just, have, just being able to say variety review opened so many doors for me. And, um, and, you know, and it also was just, I mean, it was really nice to have that recognition and it made me feel like I made something that was worthwhile. And we did have a few other screenings. I mean, I guess the other thing I'm not talking about was while all those mainstream festivals were rejecting me, that film had a crazy life. That film was screening there. It like that we were having like at law at like at art galleries, lofts. You know, people would email from here and there just asking if they could show the film. And, you know, I don't know. We had like 20 screenings, but not at any place you'd ever heard of. But they'd be full of people and people watch the film. And it was sort of this like underground little uh, little underground success story. You know, so there were, you know, so there were people who wanted to watch it. And I was like banging my head against the wall that like, how come no film festivals want to show this film? Anyhow. I got a little off track, but I learned a lot about how to put my project out into the world and how important that was because I don't know that I did it right. And I learned from my own experience how to do that right and how to make it a little easier to open those doors or how to modify my expectations so that I don't get so hurt or you know what's appropriate for a first-time filmmaker making their first feature you know what do you want to have in place before you do that mm -hmm. you know and I've worked with a lot of people who don't want to hear what I have to say and that's really a difficult position to be in because you know I feel like they think I'm their parent or something where I'm just sort of like well no this is my experience and this is what I've seen happen take it or leave it you know, I'm not saying you are worth it or not worth it. I'm just saying you might want to do these things. And I understand the impatience. I have it too, you know, because everyone wants to do the filmmaking part. You don't want to do the yeah. build relationship yeah. part. You <laughs> yeah. want to do the filmmaking. You want to be on set making it. You don't want to, you know, the pre-production and the post-production are, you know, sometimes five, six times as long as the actual filming of something. And that's, that at the end of the day, Talking to a variety of filmmakers, that's what people want to be doing. Yes. Yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> it is frustrating. It's very frustrating. So, but I find that, like, you really need to, you need to think, when you make a film, you need to think about where you want it to be when it's done. If mm. you want to have a chance of getting there. And you have to look at, like, you know, take some time to 
make some case studies like treat it like it is actually a business inv- it is if it's not an investment of your money like if money is not an issue for you if nothing else it's an investment of like a good three to seven years of your life yeah y- you know like don't you want to make sure you're at least trying to do the do the thing like and it doesn't mean your goal has to be sundance film festival it does, your goal there's so many different places the film can go and there's so many different there's it's up to you to define what success is and like uh starting a little bit more reasonable is a good idea you know <laughs> like unless you're like look if you have the money if you have the contacts you know if you're someone famous as brother sister whatever you know God bless you. Go out there, do it. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like, but if you're not, there's some things you can do. It's a little different process. So I've like helped filmmakers. I mean, I've consulted with filmmakers doing that sort of work. And I've also worked on documentaries as a producer from that angle where I'm the relationship builder or like I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm setting up a brand you know, to attract funding, like making it something that is worth uh, granting organizations to give their money to, you know, audience building, you know, all of these things, which I mean, and documentaries can take also take years in a much different way. Um, and you need you need to be doing that work the whole way through. And it's totally exhausting. And I personally think like it's important to have someone who's doing that work who is not the director (laughs) Um, but it's also makes inflates your budget and so it's a real catch-22 unless you have someone who is your partner who's doing that work with you you know both of you not being paid but it's um, I think it's become and again, I think it like I, I I should be careful even saying that because I think you also need to do what is within your reach. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no one way to do anything, but I think what you have to do is recognize what your resources are and like be very realistic about what you can actually accomplish. And a lot of times you might accomplish more if you're very realistic about yourself. But like give yourself a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Give I like that. You know, I'm going to take that with me yeah, for my day be, tomorrow. Yeah, be real <laughs> about like where you are in the world and what you have and what you have access to. And, you know, and then you might surprise yourself instead of disappoint yourself. What what specific advice would you give somebody coming right out of film school? Like what like <laughs> if, if you could go back in time and give yourself a piece of advice when you got done with film school, do you know what that would be or... <laughs> that would look like <laughs> I don't well I don't know I mean I think like I think that when you're like 22 or however old you are when you get out of undergrad like I think that life is such a weird mishmash that I don't think there is any advice I think you just have to sort of chip away at it and find out like who you are because you're still trying to figure that out so no I would have no advice no, I, I feel like <laughs> pat her on the back good yeah, luck lady good luck. <laughs> you got a question go I can't answer a yeah. question but <laughs> maybe you listen to me but you probably won't well and that was the thing like we I remember there was a filmmaker named Lisa Kruger she made a film called Manny and Lowe which I really loved and mm. she came to NYU and did a Q&A and she said she talked about like her first film that she had made before that and she said um she said, my one advice to you guys is don't make a movie and put it on your credit cards. Don't make mm. a movie. On, that's my, she said, yeah. that's my one advice to you. She said, because it's going to be really hard for you financially. And I was like, yeah, right, Lisa Kruger. And so what did I do? I went and I made a movie on my credit cards. And it was, it was painful. It took me years to pay off my short film, my feature. Yeah. Ab- it absolutely. And it was... You know, so what would I say? I say, don't make a movie on your credit card. <laughs> be my like, I really, really learned this. <laughs> because I got the advice me, and then learned the and, lesson. And then I learned the lesson. So that would be my advice. Don't make a film on your credit cards. Save up, put a little, yeah. a little bit away at a time. And well, well, and now there's crowdfunding and right. back then there wasn't. And what's funny was back then what they would say this would like i'm old so they didn't have the internet and they'd say (laughs) when your first step in fundraising was write a letter to everyone you know write a snail mail letter 
asking for money from anyone you anyone you know and i was like who's gonna do that like what (laughs) and so and that's also something i think i might have learned at that same lecture and i was like i'd never do that when i started fundraising for america 1979 the first thing i did (laughs) was i wrote an email to my mailing list and i said if each of you give me five dollars i said i'm trying my email said i'm trying to I'm trying to get seed money so that when grantors look at my project, they see that there's already money raised because they don't want to give money to something that has no money. And this is a tr- this is true. And I said, so if you each, there's 700 of you on this list, 800 of you on this list. If you each of you give me five dollars, I'll have I don't know whatever that whatever math that is, is. <laughs> and that'll be a great start, and it will make me more attractive to grantors. And I was so, and you know, I actually, people sent me checks and some people sent me $5 and some people sent me $200. Oh my goodness. And someone I, you know, people I hadn't seen in years sent me $50, Mm -hmm. you know, and like. Isn't that just, it it takes your breath away too, because you're so honored and. Absolutely. You know, that people believe in you and people want to help. Like. I had I had a friend who I took a class with like five years ago and she was fundraising for it. She's a musician. She was fundraising for her album and she was, you know, like I tossed her 10 bucks. Like I was like, that's what I would pay to buy an album. So like I'm sure she'll do something like there's something to give music. But people want to help people want to help people with their passions, especially if they're they're good people and you've you've had an experience with them so yeah I think I think so yeah I mean I was really I mean I was blown away I couldn't believe it I mean anytime I do it I have no expectation that anyone is gonna give me I mean I hope that I don't have to fundraise like that again in my life which I probably will have to (laughs) but I really hope I don't have to crowdfund again um, it's, I find it to be, I don't know if you guys have done it. I think it's really, really hard. It is. It's exhausting. It's really exhausting. It's beautiful and wonderful simultaneously. Right. But exhausting. It's really, yeah, it, exactly. It's all those I've things. never had to do it fully. I've done it with a theater company. So a group of people doing it with a collective of people, which it wasn't as. That's a little easier. Yeah, because you have, you know, power in numbers. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I haven't I haven't taken that leap yet for just my own soul project to do that with. But I can completely see how it's not something that you definitely don't want to do it all the time. No. <laughs> well, and there there I mean there because of Indiegogo and Kickstarter and all these different there are a lot more of them now. You get especially if you are an artist in the artist community, you you know, you could get one every week from yep. different people. I mean, my friend got one this girl was fundraising to help her pay for acting classes. And I was like, oh, we're kind of like pushing the, yeah. the limit now, you know? Like, like, I understand if you want to make something or like I've gotten them for people who have had accidents and need, you know, help with medical bills. Right. Like, but uh, I don't know. Like, then like, where, 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 where do you that draw line? the line? Where do you, you know? Line? I know. I mean, because if that was the case, I should have done that for college. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I was like, who needs, um, who needs loans? We just need crowdfunding. Yeah, right. Send me to college. So did you get into film through sound or did, like, what was your path into film? No, my path into film, I mean, I started making film when I was 16 so I was doing um, photography. I was really into photography and painting and like writing stories. And somehow I wanted to make a. I want. I got my. I wanted to make a video. So I borrowed video camera and I started making videos. And I went to this. Like uh, I went to the there, in California. There's something called the California State Summer School for the Arts, mm-hmm. which is this great thing. And it, it kids come from all over California and for four weeks and there's different disciplines and um it was i went i got into the film and video program the no the first i went for two years which was unusual the first year i did photography the second year i did film and video and um you know it was totally life-changing because i was like all of a sudden 
not the weird art kid. Even though I went to a huge school in LA, I was still like the weird, like I was still kind of the art kid. And I was around all these other art kids. And all of a sudden I wasn't different. I was this, it was nice to have people to be the same. And we were the same. It was so that was one thing that was really beautiful. But I also like got my hands on equipment and it had people who took me seriously. And um, I did experimental video. Um, and then, um, you know, and that was what I was interested in then. And I got a lot of really good response as a young person. Like I was 17, 16, 17, 18. And my, I had one of my teachers would submit, would send my work to curators and send my work to, um, to film festivals. Her name is Valerie. So I still know her. Well, I found her. That's (laughs) awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and my work was being shown like at art galleries in LA when I was 17 years old. It's incredible. So I was like, I was like, oh, so I went to NYU mostly like to get away from home. (laughs) 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 I went across cross country, live in New York city. But, um, and I wasn't in the film school actually. I was in the, like I was in the college of arts and science. I was really interested in linguistics and comparative religion. And I had all these other interests and I thought, Oh, maybe I should go to film school because people like my film. So, I mean, I wish it was like, I mean, it was really just sort of this, well, I guess I should do this because people (laughs) seem to like that I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, you know, so I went to film school. I love that. (laughs) No, I do. I love that, like... Speaking to so many different artists, you can get such varied stories as to how, what their path was into it. And I like to hear the different stories. So I like that you're like, oh, sure, why not? Well, it's funny. I, I've i always felt like, I don't, and it's sort of like we were talking a little earlier about having like a naive idea of like holding on to a naivete is that like, if I want, if you're, if you hold on to that, you could just say, I want that thing. And so I'm going to go get that thing Mm -hmm. instead of like putting layers of complications that exist in the world. You could just say, I'm going to go get that thing. Like if you want, and I, my other piece of advice is that if you want something, ask for it because you never know if you'll get it or not. So like you might not like what you get. That's like a whole yeah. other story. The whole, the whole cliche of like, be careful what you be ask right. for. You might not like what yeah. you get, but like you know. But you don't know until you get it. But either. you don't know till you tr- you don't know till you get it. You don't know till you try. And it sometimes it's as simple as asking for it. Sometimes it's really not that more much more complicated than that. It is, and that's such a funny, such a funny thing because think about how many times in life I know from my own personal experience when I have not asked for things. That's some, that is something I've been trying to do more and more this like past year. And I don't know exactly where that originates from, like where that, I, I think, um, I think we've discussed this before. I think some of that has to do with, with being a woman. I don't know if that, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm making that up. I feel like that's a real thing. Um, but like, yeah, I don't know that. Like and, inconveniencing other people. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like the, there's this thing with women wanting to take care of everyone and pleasing everyone and not rocking the so boat. So if you're asking for something that may make somebody have to go out of their way, that sometimes is a very hard thing to do. It At is. At least personally for me. Me as well. Yeah. I guess I've never, I, it's funny because I always feel like people want to give me things because I'm a girl. <laughs> <laughs> My friend, you know, I, early on when I was making my feature, <laughs> I love that. He, my 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 friend who was helping me produce the film, he was like, "Lila, it's so unfair. If I go and ask for something, I don't get it. But if you go and ask for the same thing, and you just show up and you say, "Can I have that?" <laughs> They're gonna give it to you, and I don't understand why people give you everything. And I, so, like, I—it's every time I'm just in the back of my head. I just—I just hear his voice. Can I have that? And, and I just some like, and I'm just like, I just am like, 
oh, it's that like six year old kid in me or whatever that's like, uh, hi, I'm here. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, no, I love but, it. I mean, I also there is I mean, I have other things about like feeling invisible or not wanting to stand out or, you know, that are I think some of them are about being a woman some of them are about being a minority you know some of them are about being too out being too outspoken and can how how much am i allowed to talk talk i'm doing air quotes yeah how much am i supposed to talk like i i do of course have a lot of those things oh i said too much you know <laughs> every day I say all, that to you myself. know <laughs> but i also try and recognize that no one is looking at you the way you are looking at you. Yes. You know, no mm. one is looking at you the way you're looking no. at you. Mm-mm. No. So I just try and, you know, I, I ask nicely, you know, and I don't act, act, act with presu- presumption or I try not to, you know. Although, I mean, I also somehow very strangely feel incredibly entitled to <laughs> success. Well, good. But, uh, and sometimes that, like, smacks me in the ass because my attitude I'm like I get impatient you know as do we all yeah well I, th- I feel but, like if you're driven to do this I understand I understand what you're saying like that like there the, it's just it feels like it's just not gonna like I just have to be patient because it's gonna happen there's no way that it can't not happen because I want this so bad and I am working so hard towards it so that kind of entitlement like if you but it also can not happen well it can it can <laughs> that's i mean but i also of, see the success and like like i'm in the filmmaking community and i'm making projects and if you look at it like at least i'm not not doing that you know well, what i mean and well, celebrating right. those successes too yeah yeah well and i think it's just like i think it's great like also now there's like the group the group like i met you in like that is an amazing thing yes, that's happening, I know. and that didn't ha- that didn't exist five years ago for for women. Or, you know, like there are other ways of meeting people and connecting with people that like are really make you feel good and make it feel po- make things feel possible. And you know, I think it's fantastic and supporting each other and, supporting and lifting each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I no, totally I think agree. It's, I think it's fantastic. I totally agree. Cool. Well, thank you so yeah. much for coming. I'm glad that the storm has stopped so that you oh, no yeah. longer, you, <laughs> you were only wet for part of the evening. Yeah, um, almost dry. Yeah, the, there you go. See? For <laughs> listeners, there was a huge, huge <laughs> flooding storm. Like I it, got like vibrating warnings on my phone. I was yeah. like, what is going on? It's like flash flood, flash Bear! flood, yeah. warning, warning. Yeah. Ah! Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Exactly <laughs> like that. Well, tell everyone where they can find you oh, on the interwebs. I'm and- on the interwebs. Um, I have like a little like placeholder website with all my info at yomtube.com. That's my last name, Y-O-M-T-O-O-B. My film is at america1979.com where you can, it is now available to view for two ninety nine. Um, And I have Facebook and Twitter and I, well, my name well, is like my well, name's like very unique so i think you just i'll i'm there if you we'll have, we'll have links <laughs> yeah we'll have all of the links the like all of the all of the rest of the podcast will all be beneath but yeah. we just like to make sure that you get to say all the things that all you want to say yeah, yeah no that's good great well thank you again for coming out yeah, yeah. thank you thanks thank, for letting me yeah. blab and check out uh, her and, film it's yes. awesome it's really really special special film very detailed and very beautiful too so Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, thanks for listening. <laughs>